0: Have you ever found yourself, after a game of D&D, debating over a particular rule that came up and trying to figure out, as a group, how to break it? As a DM, do you get that feeling of dread when your player asks, if you look at it this way? Well, we decided to turn that into a podcast. A group of DMs come together every episode as we discuss how rules is written. We can figure out how to maximize what we can do with a rule and how we can use other rules to break the game. Each episode, we will be joined by a guest, including DMs from some of our favorite podcasts, and get a sneak peek behind the DM screen from some of our favorite shows as they share their own thoughts and experiences on a particular rule and how it has affected their games. Please feel free to jump in on our discussions by leaving us a comment on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or feel free to email me at dm at dndraw.com, or send us a tweet to rules as written and let us know how the rule may have come up during one of your games or how you figured out a way to break the game that we didn't discuss so thanks for joining us i'm tony
1: hey everybody i'm rachel hey this is bethany
2: hi this is brian
0: this episode our topic leveling systems
1: So, I guess the first thing is, tell us about The Room Where It Happened.
2: (laughs) The Room Where It Happened is, uh, we're we're an actual play podcast uh, built on communal world building between good friends. And basically, it's kind of our generic, that's our sort of generic pitch, because we assume that at some point we'll kind of leave our current campaign. Uh, But right now, The Room Where It Happened is just me and my friends uh, kind of playing our D&D game that we were playing before we started recording, um, when I, I was sitting there DMing it and everything and watching my, f- the thing that was really interesting is like watching my friends who are not, who don't have any sort of performance background. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably the only, like I'm the closest thing and I'm a theater major, but my background, like my theater background was in uh technical, I wasn't an actor. <laughs> um, and so I'm watching them like create these really interesting characters and get really into it. And I was like, we could probably, we could probably do a thing with this. And so that's sort of the... That is sort of the genesis of it. Right now we're playing in like a um, like a homebrew world uh, called Loom, which is a very, very, very high fantasy uh, bordering on, well, not even really bordering on, like straight up like Rune Punk style world uh, with like a, the way I generally describe the aesthetic is like, if Boardwalk Empire had, like, a weird baby with Blade Runner. That's sort of what we're going for. <laughs> so
1: very, like, cyberpunk, like, classic, you know, sort right, of technology. Lots of cyberpunk,
2: but also lots of bowler hats. Like, uh, the cars are all old-looking, but, like, function essentially like normal cars. And we'll just generally call that, like, because I'm bad at keeping, a tone like, a tonal through line anyways. Uh, so we'll call things regularly, like, you know. Fantasy escalades and such. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> You're like let the let the viewer, you know, the listener's imagination fill in the blanks.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but it's like generally kind of like a it's set in a it's set in a, like a like a high like a very powerful city state. Um, so essentially, it's set in one city. So I don't have to. I didn't flesh out the whole world. Mm-hmm. Because the whole it's the cyberpunk idea of like, you know, there's one city and all of the things are basically happening in that city. So basically L.A. and L.A. and uh, Blade, Blade Runner. Runner. Yeah. I forgot mm-hmm. Blade Runner. You know that thing
1: with the <laughs> yeah. replicants with the what I, what, and the, and the really yeah, long the movie. <laughs> yeah, the, ro-
2: yeah. the yeah. robots.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that thing.
2: <laughs> and so they're, you know, generally getting some interesting stuff taken care of there. Uh, I don't know if they're gonna listen to it so I don't want to talk too much about plot things. No, that, they might that's figure fair. Something that's out. fair, yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> or you could just say, No, I'm sorry, secrets were shared on the internet in a place that you're not allowed to go to. You know, whatever yep. you're comfortable with. In the dark. I'm net. generally
2: pretty I'm I'm weirdly un like I keep some things close to my chest, like major plot points, but mm-hmm. a lot of times I'll just be like, Oh yeah, yeah, that's what this thing was. Well, like yeah, stuff the in the fact, past. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah, yeah,
1: you guys totally missed that thing that happened. Ah, well.
2: Or, or I send them pictures of all the. I also do a lot of miniatures for this game because I'm. It it seems fitting to like build very complex sets for my audio only format.
1: Of course, it's the <laughs> only <course>. logical choice. <laughs>
2: yeah, I send them pictures of all the miniatures I paint for for big upcoming fights, and they're like, "What is that?" I'm like, "I don't know. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> I mean, painting things." You have to tune in and find out, I
1: guess. <laughs> I guess we're ready to go ahead and start talking about our topic, which I had put as leveling systems, but according to the book, is called character advancement.
2: Oh. Oh, right, right. Mm-hmm.
1: Which sounds like, I don't know, like career progression or something like yeah. that. Like, I'm working Where on do my you see character in five years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> on the character advancement table, I really hope to be level 10, you know, down the road, yeah. that sort of thing. But. <laughs> I guess the my question to you Brian is uh how do you do leveling like how do you grant XP or what's your process as a DM So uh,
2: the way that we do XP is I've stolen um so I don't use the the standard 5th edition um or actually I actually don't use any of the standard 5th edition uh <laughs> systems for leveling up So I don't like uh experience I don't personally like experience points uh for killing stuff mm-hmm. um which is if If people like that, that's a hundred percent fine. It's their game. You have fun, however, however you want. Um, I'm not saying that it's bad or good. I just in my experience, whenever for one, I don't do a whole a, a whole lot of combat. I'm trying to get better at making sure that there's like some fighty fights um every episode, uh, so or every time every session. so like at least every other episode uh, that we have fights in. Or that we have, there will be fights. But because I realized at one point, I was like listening back through the things. I'm like, oh, we, we went like five episodes without fighting a thing. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> You're
1: like, maybe we should actually do some adventuring in the very classic sense of adventuring as opposed to just p- creative problem solving in RP.
2: <laughs> right. Well, it's mostly just talking. Like we talk, like our, my my folks do a lot of talking through situations. And that's kind of how I like, I like treating rpgs like extended improv sessions so i find that fun and i knew that because of that uh doing experience based on based on like killing stuff uh wasn't going to be super super good also and if you're not doing it right it kind of turns it has a tendency to turn your heart party into murder hobos because <laughs> they see a number that they can push up by doing an action.
1: And I would say that all players have a... We all have a murder hobo within us. Yes. Like somewhere. Very true. It depends on sure. how powerful and how deep that murder hobo is buried. But given the right circumstances, it will come out. And I, I, yeah. I 100% agree. I know the book actually does have a section on non-combat challenges for XP. Like if you can reward XP for like going through negotiations and like forging agreements and that sort of thing. As like an alternative to just like XP for combat. It's true, but they're
2: very nebulous on the numbers.
1: (laughs) They're more like, take a look at combat and kind of like, if it's as hard as that, like, give that amount of XP. Like, Yep. "Uh, Okay, but it's really hard to quantify killing a bunch of monsters versus, like, navigating a really tense, I don't know, social situation, like, palace intrigue. Like,
2: I I don't know how to say one is as hard as the other. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's hard to, because, like... They are both difficult things that are vastly different and I don't know. It, it it's always been it's always been kind of weird. In fifth edition, personally, I have I have issues with the challenge rating system to begin with. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have found it to be so. yep.
1: completely I don't know, like just like a number where people Unreliable. say, How they're like, well, yeah, what was the challenge <laughs> yeah. rating for this encounter? And I say, like, it was a five and then everyone goes no, that doesn't make any sense. Like <laughs> based on what we just experienced, that was like a two.
2: <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I I ran them up against like recently in a an episode that's going to be coming out uh in a good long while because uh, we finally got a decent backlog <laughs> built up, but like I was running them against a um from like the Xanathar's guide the Invoker or no, not an Invoker. Yeah. Um the guy who does all the the lock da- locking down magic. Um, and he's like a challenge rating five and I wasn't, so I just pulled him up and was like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to throw this guy into this fight. And I realized like my, so he's like theoretically a ninth level caster. Mm-hmm. The warlock went toe to toe with him solo and almost killed this dude. Cause this dude only had 40 hit points for a challenge rating five encounter. It's yeah. yeah. I would
1: pretty much say as a DM, I, when I look at challenge ratings, I'm like, first off, I got to like double their hit points for them to yeah. make it through round one.
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, there's definitely a lot of squirreliness there, and I think maybe that's partly why granting XP seems odd because I know uh, it's hard to scale to the right amount, especially if you have a really talented group of adventurers or players who coordinate well together, like Mm -hmm. making sure they're properly rewarded. I've just found XP, I guess you could do that with XP, but the amount of effort as a DM it would require for me to figure out that calculation is more than I'm willing to put in. Right, right. <laughs> to XP.
0: Well, for the XP, as far as it goes, like, CR in in one of the, the campaigns, you guys were, like, four level 15 characters who went up against a CR 26 and won.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, in the, by the numbers, that should basically be impossible. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. But we planned. Well, we coordinated. You planned. Yeah. We had good equipment. Yeah. And that yeah. doesn't, yeah, as I was gonna say, it doesn't take into account the equipment that everybody's using. Which inevitably people have once you get to higher levels. You're not like, yep. I'm a level oh, yeah. 10 character and I really wish I had a magic item. A like, level <laughs> well, 10 character using a pitchfork.
2: <laughs> I'm so bad about giving magical items.
1: In my beginning of my career as a DM, I <laughs> underestimated how incredibly valuable some magic items I granted early on would be. And might have made some mistakes and had to then correct over the course of like the following years. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I gave Tony's character a Vorpal Sword. I don't know if I say to be fair, I thought he'd be dead by now. That sounds mean, yep. but I really thought his character would be dead by now. And I thought, okay, well, that'll work out and, you know, like, they'll probably retire the sword. It'll all be fine. But somehow he's managed to stay alive. Not because I'm trying to kill his character. It's just because his character's like that sacrificial, no, you all flee and I'll fight the big thing to the death kind of character. and you thought, got an
0: awesome And then healer. we kill the big thing.
1: Don't forget you have an awesome healer.
0: Yeah, who keeps me
2: alive? Yeah, Rachel
1: plays the healer who's like constantly keeping people from the brink of death. So, (laughs) so yeah, it's just hard. I'm just
2: really bad at like remembering to actually give them to them. (laughs) So they're like level six now, and like two of them have magical items, and like only really one of those magical items is useful in combat. So
1: you're like a dragon hoarding the treasure.
0: (laughs) I just keep,
2: I just keep, I'm like, we don't, we haven't done, because of the nature of our world, we don't do. Anything close to resembling like a typical dungeon run. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's really hard. And the, the guys that they kill are generally either like low level mooks or they don't have a chance to like if you're fighting in the middle of the street. And the cop sirens are coming. You're not looting a body. You're getting You're getting out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like what you're na- saying.
1: But at the same time, based on the players i played with, no, they are looting that body. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Take that five seconds to <laughs> rifle the pockets.
2: Well, we did um, when we the first time that they got some some of them have some magical items or have traded them around. It's just like. Really, only one of them has, like, a good magic weapon, and then everyone else has, like, some weird stuff, so, like, one player has a bag of magical beans.
1: Hey, Like, some people give XP rewards for non-combat stuff or as, like, special incentives for their players, but I Mm -hmm. I don't know. Since I don't do XP, that's not a system I use as a reward, and overall, people really like stuff in my games. They do. They want (laughs) swag, like, (laughs) even if it's not useful, like you were saying, the bag of magic beans. Yeah. They want that.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the the thing I'm realizing is like, oh, I probably need to start giving them stuff so I can, because at some point I'm going to start throwing stuff at them that they physically can't fight mm-hmm. well without magical
1: items. <laughs> yes, so. it does make a difference. Yeah. yeah. Yep.
0: Those resistances,
1: <laughs>
2: they're rough.
0: Yep.
1: So, how do you uh, tell your your players when they're going to level then?
2: Um, so the way that we do it is, uh, I kind of stole the leveling system from a Powered by the Apocalypse cyberpunk game called, um, called, uh, The Sprawl. Mm -hmm. Uh, sorry, I was getting, there's two of them called The Sprawl and The Veil, and I keep free, I get them mixed up constantly. Um, but in The Sprawl, uh, each character had two directives, and those directives are kind of like, they're not... They're not guiding point, point they're not really supposed to be like influencing the way that your character works. They're supposed to be tied into how your character already is. Um, so they like it'll be things like um, the connection directive. It's like when when your character's connection to a large organization uh, complicates or hinders the mission, take XP, um, and XP being like just one hash mark um and so on and we've we've created some like different or like some custom ones that aren't in that sprawl book um just to like fit with our characters like our our cleric wizard who is breaking down the divide between arcane and divine magic he uh whenever he does that basically or tries to push that clock forward um he gets experience and or i really need to like nerf our warlock uh (laughs) Because Richard is Richard is uh, already a smarmy sort of dude, which is fine because he's funny. Um, Wait, as
1: the player, as the character, just to clarify, both, yeah, <laughs> okay, cool, uh, both, yes,
2: <laughs> yes. Um, and he, uh, in his, uh, so he has a directive that's like when you're basically when you're smart, and it hinders the mission take experience. Oh. And it's like, oh no, what have I done? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're like I'm playing right into his hands. <laughs>
2: And then we have, um, and then on top of that, at the beginning of every quote unquote mission and the, the mission, the quote mission structure has become significantly more nebulous as we've gone on, but I just kind of know when we're starting, basically when we're starting a project, uh, or the team starts a project, uh, they get one experience. And then if they, uh, if they complete it to the letter that is sort of set out and expected of them, they get two experience, um, and it can be negotiated from there so like if in like one of the major arcs that they had they um we don't generally do a lot of experience talk like on on mike or whatever when they were basically conscripted uh by that ceo to go steal um like a, a an artifact uh from the religious military police they had every intention of like basically not giving it to her they were going to try and figure out how to not give it to him um and so i had figured out solutions on like well so you can get less experience if you don't complete it to the letter but you get like one experience and something else so it allows me to like sort of negotiate the ends of our things and give them options to do stuff as opposed to like make sure that they know like you know just because you don't want to complete a mission to the letter doesn't mean that you get nothing out of it you just typically just won't get the two experience um that would come to the end of that uh and then so basically they do that plus it's like uh two plus their level and once they figure they they fill that up they level up um and so that's how we do it uh so it sort of encourages them to do role play stuff or um it also just keeps them moving forward so even if for whatever reason they don't get to complete like they don't get to lean into their directives um they still get experience and so they should all level up roughly at the same level like they they don't level all level up exactly at the same the same pace but they all kind of stay pretty close to each other because of that
1: yeah that makes sense kind of kind of keeps it mm-hmm. some balance to it uh mm-hmm. it's definitely a different system than i think i've i've ever heard of but we've only yeah. I, when i was starting dming uh Rachel had been our DM for three five and I know she had so much fun with <laughs> generating XP for us because we were all little XP monster hoarders who were like, How much XP did I get? No, I need more. How do I get it? Like, um, so I Looking at that experience was like, I'm so sorry, Rachel. (laughs) It's okay. I can't go through that as a DM. So (laughs) what is the furthest I can get from that? And I was just looking at the different options when I was reading the books. And I liked milestones where you could award XP for like getting through a part of the story. Because I've always wanted to play a real story-driven campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I also thought, well, then I still haven't to have them track XP. So I decided to go through and just do kind of like a hybrid of session-based advancement and story-based advancement where mm-hmm. I, I typically award levels when they accomplish a significant goal in the overarching story but it's sort of calculated based on how many sessions in there are so at least they feel like they're working their way through it and are earning their levels granted this doesn't stop them from asking when do we level and i'm like you just became level 14 and it's been it's one, session, one session one <laughs> session they're like but we did so much i'm like yes but if we calculate xp you would be nowhere near level 15 yet <laughs> but they try anyways
3: yeah it's worth a shot
1: it's making it hard to ask <laughs> uh, Exactly. and i have to say as dm of course that's the easiest way to do it I, by far like it, yours, just yours sounds a lot more sophisticated. Part of it makes me feel like, am I just a lazy DM? Well, no, I think, <laughs> like, I,
2: like I, I didn't really come up with it. I literally lifted it from a whole different system. Uh, <laughs> so the it also is. I probably should tweak it at least at the very least down. Uh, because they've level. I they maybe are. I don't know. We're rolling with it. So I, as long as I know what level they are, I can keep the story moving forward at at a good clip, I guess. But, um. Because in Powered by the Apocalypse games, you don't level... Like, there's not a level 20. Like, level 10 is kind of where you're going to be maxing out at. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the slower trickle of experience is is fine. Because your characters... The idea with most Powered by the Apocalypse things is that you're already like a, a, like a total monster. Um, <laughs> and you're just getting better. And so the... Which is a little depending on how you play d d um is a little bit different how you than d d because especially in like my my world like they are not they're not the most powerful thing <laughs> yeah uh, they are even like they could walk into a bar and maybe just get obliterated by a by like a wizard who's also a bartender <laughs> <laughs>
1: oops because
2: <laughs> like the i like the idea of like super pervasive magic I wanted it to them to have that sort of underdog quality that is that is tip atypical of like noir and, uh like cyberpunk sort of i like stories so
1: yeah no i dig it i'm into mm-hmm. that sort of thing definitely it makes it feel a little more I don't want to say gritty because that sounds like a cliche, but we definitely are pretty high on the like traditional fantasy end for the <laughs> for our face to face game. Because I I've started running Princess of the Apocalypse, the, you know, the five E module. Oh, nice. I say I started running it In a sense, I'm still running it because we're still same characters, mostly continuous story, but it's totally become something entirely different Um, (laughs) because I realized early on that the players hated it, not because they didn't like elements of it, but because there's really not an overarching story to the campaign besides elemental cultists are super evil and destructive.
0: It's also a major dungeon crawl. Yes.
1: Yeah. 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 And I think that's another reason why I was kind of turned away from XP is not that it has to just be combat driven, but because I like to have some combat, but I don't really want to play a combat driven dungeon crawl kind of story. I don't think most of my players do either because it it feels really
2: repetitive. You know? mm-hmm. Yep. It is. It, it's when uh, dungeon crawls are typically when Dungeons and Dragons becomes like a capital G RPG, <laughs> uh, which isn't necessarily bad like I know that a lot of people like to play it as like essentially like a tabletop strategy game which is like legit like that's and it can be fun that way it's just that's not like a lot of times I just don't find that super super duper engaging because like combat in 5th edition can bog pretty quickly so yeah and
1: I'd say that's one of our goals with combat is to try to keep it flowing especially when there's a lot of players that everybody gets to feel like they're participating and they're heroes but like Overall, I don't have that many rounds of combat, and I don't like to add a lot of NPCs like to help them. I try to keep it as simple as possible. You guys you mm-hmm. frighten the monsters; you go kill the monsters. Some of you almost die because you made bad decisions, but then Rachel's character heals everybody, so it all works out. <laughs> yep. Well, I can't.
2: I can't. I can hardly knock these. I can hardly knock my group down. So like three of them have healing magic. It's oh, ridiculous.
1: So they planned well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I I made them. I made them make their, essentially make their characters in, like, in isolation, but I also didn't tell them to make X, Y, or Z. Like, I'm like, don't worry about f- filling any sort of role inside the party. Just make the most interesting character that you want to make. And so what we ended up with was, like, a guy who was, um, <coughs> Andrew, who is the most, like, rules, like, well, well-versed well rules-wise and also my rules lawyer at the table and mm-hmm. the guy, I can be like, hey, Andrew, how does this work? And he'll be like, this is how it works. I'm like, sick, it's how it works, guys. Um, and he has like a hybrid. So his character started off as like one level of cleric and then the rest of his levels are in wizard. So he's a cleric who can like deal out a ridiculous amount of like melee damage and has an 18 AC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. And, but is leveling up, the trade-off is that he is, he is not scaling with the rest of the party, so I mean, he's also starting to hit those, like, middle levels of wizard that aren't, like, nuke everything from orbit.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. But luckily,
2: <laughs> unlike most wizards, he's going to be just fine during those levels. <laughs> um, but it's turned out pretty good, but he's, like, he's got enough cleric levels to be able to, like, get somebody up off the ground. Then we also have a paladin, and then we have an also, like, just a pure cleric, um, and so it's like healing magic is not a thing that like i have just haven't even bothered ever giving them potions because I'm like, yeah, you'll never you'll literally never need these <laughs> It's fine.
3: And we always take stock in our game. Like, how many potions oh, yeah. does everybody have before we yeah. go into this area? Because we know we're gonna get hit by something.
0: Does everyone have at least one? Yeah, well, okay. It's
1: because it's because, you know, typically we we've only had one healer that get paid because we do tend mm-hmm. to do like we tend to go the the I guess the rolls route of like okay let's right. try to have some amount of balance and it's because I don't know if you want to explain it Rachel or if you want us to fess up to what we did. Um, you mean with the <laughs> with with our first characters?
3: <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah. So that was my mistake as a DM, letting them make whatever they wanted, um, and there was three of them, and yes. they made them all separately for the most part. Um, so we wound up with a a ranger, a hi. <laughs> A, you were a sorcerer, right? I was a sorcerer. I always want yeah. to say wizard, but I'm like sorcerer no. and a bard in I three point f-
1: five. Eh, Bards
2: have some healing magic. You
1: know, no, to clarify, we built these in three five when we didn't know how to play, so we built them all really poorly, ah, as really well poorly. as building a terrible party. And I
0: was the ranger and the tank.
1: Yeah, and they all had bad personalities like (laughs) they were all really obnoxious in different ways it was the worst party and I feel really bad for Rachel that we did that to her we didn't know any better (laughs) it was a learning experience for all of us so after that we're like maybe we'll coordinate like across players and have some idea like maybe some of the characters will know each other and have some shared background and maybe there'll be a healer and a tank and then fill the other roles like I think we 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 got burned by our own stupidity, <laughs> <laughs>
3: it was a learning experience it,
1: it, we definitely learned from it, and we tortured poor Rachel. She had to do everything she could to keep us from like not dying every single time because my little sorcerer had like four hit points for a while <laughs> yeah I, sh- I tried rolling my health. it didn't go well. It was fun, yeah. <laughs>
2: <clears throat> Uh, the the issue with me letting them just kind of make whatever they want is they have like, they have no like if there's a locked door they all just kind of look at it because there's like no rogues. It's like a monk, cl- like a monk, a bunch of clerics and a warlock, <laughs> an paladin, and a paladin. They're just like mm, Doris. That's a thing, I guess.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in my game, they invested in a crowbar because they didn't have a rogue. <laughs> I,
2: I yeah. have a
0: crowbar, and I just break the door. Nice. They have a fight. I, I just ask the for permission first.
2: My. Uh, my character started dating a rogue. That's what the oh. other solution.
1: <laughs> You're like, it can't hurt to have someone who has skills with, you know, lockpicking. You know.
2: Yeah, c- occasionally I have to just send the NPC with them. Like, if this, I don't want this encounter to take forever. Just Odo's coming along with you this time, guys. So. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's definitely fun. Because even in a party where you have like different roles represented, it's never fully balanced. There's always something the group lacks and struggles with. Uh, And I I think think it's fun to see. And and that that kind of brings it back to leveling. Like, we've definitely had some uh, group discussions before leveling where people say, okay, I know what we're missing as a group. What can I do? What choices can I make while I'm leveling to like... Better help the group not die from that thing we almost died from, which I think has been a big influence for your character, Rachel, for your paladin. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Mine's probably yep. had the most influence from that because I was originally built to be kind of a co tank, co healer because we did have a cleric. So I'm high con, some wisdom, some charisma, you know, no dex, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> no decks. Right. Hate, hate it. No dex, Um, and I was basically built her to be like, okay, I can take some I can take some hits and I can do some healing, so you know, to ease the the pain and suffering of my teammates. Yeah, yeah. And then our cleric player left. So I was like, well, I'm the healer now, I guess. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> One of the levels I was like, well, I could do the, the the attributes or I could do the uh feet. So I wound up going with the healer feet. Oh, to, nice. to get the yeah. the nice be- boost. That has worked out so well.
1: Yes, it was a very <laughs> good investment. Nice. Yeah, so we definitely do coordinating for for like character leveling. And then we always do a thing where everyone sits around the table and like says what they did for their leveling and I think everyone really likes that. Like, yes. and now I can do this and it's awesome. And then someone else goes, "I'm a fighter, so I um
0: I can hit harder,
1: <laughs> yeah. Can hit harder now." <laughs> yeah. Or do- I'm a paladin. I get 10 more hit points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have hit points for days. Yep. Yeah, so I was just looking at the other leveling systems we had in here, and uh, one I thought was interesting, uh, it's in Xanathar's Guide under Shared Campaigns Character Advancement, so when you have like different DMs for different, almost like one-shots within the same like character arc, they have a system up there called uh, Checkpoints, so you get like a checkpoint for each hour that an adventure is designed to last.
2: Oh, interesting. Huh.
1: So, it basically means as long as you keep playing and keep working through stuff, you're going to get these checkpoints, even if you don't If you take longer than you were supposed to or do it entirely differently, like you're going to keep accumulating these. And then once you get a certain number of checkpoints, depending on your level, you get to the next level. And I kind of like that for a certain type of campaign.
2: I wonder if they base that off of uh, the way that they do stuff in the Adventurers League. Because I have no idea how the leveling up system works in the Adventurers League.
3: So Um. I was just pulling that up that you mentioned (laughs) that. Cause uh, I played <laughs> back forever ago in fourth edition when that f- mm-hmm. kind of first came out, and I do recall at the end of each session, um, you so you tracked it online and was based on if I recall, it was based on like the arcs you did. So like each each adventure had like a code, like you know a one, a two, a three, and you had to complete a one through three before you could do a four because that's where you leveled up after you got those first 3 or something. So, and it but it was all done online. So, it was it at the end of the session you would get told by whoever was DMing it, okay, you gained x amount of experience points if you've completed the 3, you may now next session play you know, A4 or whatever the
1: the coding was i'm looking at the rules right now for adventures league and it's broken into tiers of play so there's first tier which is like levels one to four second tier is five to ten then 11 to 16 and 17 to 20 and uh that level determines like which tiers of adventures you can play and you do earn xp to advance your level
2: okay okay interesting
1: yeah yeah so it's sort of different but i, I did like the idea of checkpoints especially if you're doing uh, a sort of like adventure module or something like that where it's just going to bog you down to have to like calculate XP and that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: But yeah, it definitely, I think it depends on what your players find rewarding. Like I, I have talked to some people who say they-, they need XP to like incentivize their players to do things a certain way, like to reward them for role-playing mm-hmm. or for focusing on the story and not getting distracted. I I, have- I don't have that problem with my players. They are like... I don't know like always making a beeline for like the next big thing they need to tackle whether that's like <laughs> fighting something or confronting someone or solving or a carousing. puzzle like
0: Yeah, we just want to know when we level next, though. At the end of every session, we want to know if we leveled.
1: Yeah, it's like, are we there yet? No, you're not there yet. You just leveled.
2: (laughs) I do do get that question a lot. They're like, hey, do I get experience for this directive? And I'm like, uh, sure. Because I'm really bad at in the moment realizing that they've, because I don't have their list of directives in front of, there's, Uh behind my DM screen, there's literally nothing. There's just blank (laughs) wood. (laughs) Uh, there's a laptop with a random name generator and my bullet points of notes and we're just rumbling from that that point forward but there's like no actual notes behind there which would probably be useful but it distracts me uh (laughs) and um so like they're constantly like hey did i get experience for completing or for doing this directive thing i'm like you sure did probably i figure if they ask me about it they probably did it so
1: Oh man, you're so much nicer than me. My default is no. I'll check back and let you know. Like, <laughs> I'll get back to you on that. Otherwise, I've learned. I, I say yes that to that's, things that's and like then I regret it. it. Yeah, <laughs> Rachel's like checks out, checks out, checks out. Um. So one thing I think that uh, I've just I've talked about with some people that is maybe a little different than what we do is it's not really related to how you decide when people level, but uh, for my players, you don't level unless I have your character sheet showing me that you actually like leveled up. Um, So that I can go through it and, and check over it and have Tony help me check over it because he's better at that stuff than I am. Because otherwise <laughs> I've learned like some people won't actually like level up their character and they'll come to the session and be like, oh, shoot, was I supposed to do that? Let me do it right now while everyone's <laughs> yeah. waiting. I'm like, you lobbied me for this and you didn't take the 10 minutes to level? How dare you? Like... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so it's like homework okay don't forget to send me your leveled character sheets and uh it also helps like especially when we have some newer players with kind of guiding mm-hmm. them through like how what all do they need to check because there's always stuff that all of us forget where i'm like darn it passive perception forgot to add that to my leveling mm-hmm. so. yeah
2: i think i we realized after the lar- our last session i'm pretty sure emily who is playing our cleric cora I am um, uh, like I was like looking at I was like why did you get knocked down so or how did you get hurt so quickly and she's like I don't know I just have this many hit points I'm like I'm doing the math in my head I'm like this can't be right you've <laughs> yep. missed a you've missed a hit <laughs> point jump somewhere to, like add some roll a dice add some hit points to that even <laughs> if you didn't it's too low I'm gonna <laughs> like,
1: you're like it just doesn't work
2: <laughs> I'm gonna turn you into a mist like. like. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think that definitely helps yeah. with sort of like, uh, yeah, kind of doing a check-in. And that's also why we do the whole like sitting and explaining to the rest of the party. Okay, here's the stuff I can do now or what's changed. And then they all t- brag about their hit points. Who- those of us who were like weaker are like, that's okay. I don't need hit points. I have good AC because I always play dex characters. And then Rachel's like, my character is so hardy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a decent AC too. You do. You
2: do. So question for you guys, um, yeah. when your characters do, not just like a normal level up, like, oh, I go up hit points and I get more spells or whatever, but like when they do more interesting things on their level ups, when they take like an interesting feat mm-hmm. or a uh, cross class into something else, uh, do you guys represent that in game or, just, or is, you just kind of go with it?
1: I think Tony could probably speak to that best because mm-hmm. I'm like a multi-classic obsessed as a
0: player. <laughs> so... Part of it is we uh in any time I've DM'd, I've always said that you can take multi-classing, you can take feats, but it still kinda needs to make sense with the story.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it winds up being uh best represented by Bethany's Ranger Rogue Fighter Cleric.
1: I loved that character so much. She was the best at stabbing. <laughs> like uh, she couldn't take a hit. No.
0: But she could wreck everybody.
1: <laughs> Got total glass cannon. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so she starts like I, I tell him like, "Oh, we're gonna play out of the abyss. It's a lot of travel." So she, you, you initially were like, "Oh, okay. Well, let me let me be a ranger. I'll do survival stuff." Because
1: I don't want us and to get lost and starve to death in the underdark. That was number that's one right. goal. Be sad. Number one goal for the campaign. That like it can't end like that.
0: Yeah, TPK. The party just starves. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then from there, it's like, "Oh, well, you met a NPC who is absolutely a rogue. Yeah. Super shady about it." And just like you know what, let me let me get some expertise here. Like I want to train up to be a rogue because no one is super stealthy but me. So let me be stealthier.
1: Yeah. So in character, I'm like, I will ask him to be my my mentor. This weird, sketchy gnome will become my my mentor. Teach me how to do lockpicking. Like that seems useful. Yeah, <laughs> that seems good.
0: And then a bit later, comes along like your your husband NPC character. Um, is a fighter, and she's like, "Well, I want to hit things harder. Like, I, I I hit pretty well, but I want to hit harder." So she's like, "Well, how, can I can I ask him to train me to in in being a fighter?" It's like, "Okay, well, took some time, and then the next level, yeah, one level in fighter, and eventually it was, well, I'm a follower of Elastri, you know, the the only good <laughs> drow goddess." We're fighting demon lords and all that kind of thing. I'm going to pray a lot more. I'm just going to keep praying and praying and praying And one level <laughs> in cleric.
1: Well, no, it wasn't just praying. I also made best friends with our, like, NPC cleric who was, like, teaching me how to cleric. Yep. So all of these were, like, story-driven. A little bit as a player, I wanted to be able to have, be versatile and have a lot of s- options in combat. But, right, right. but Tony only let me do these things. There's a point where I'm like, hey, can I take a level in bard? He's like, you literally don't know any bards and your character has no musical talent.
2: <laughs> also you're already fourth thing. Eh? <laughs> yes. I was
1: like, heck, what's one more? I've got the stats for it. Like uh, but we've always said that it needs to have some sort of relevance and it can't be like randomly out of nowhere. I would yeah. like to take a level in Bard. And you're like, but I mean, I guess you could if there's someone you know who could teach you or like there's certain combinations that would be a cool class combination, but just don't make sense with the story. Like, I think that's it's always been story driven for us.
2: Fair. Yeah, because like with my with my folks, when they've taken feats that are outside of what their clair- their character would normally do. So like when Tessa the Paladin was like, I'm gonna get uh, heavy armor proficiency or whatever, I'm like, Yeah, that makes sense. You just you just get like you probably like that's fine, you just wear your armor a lot, you figured it out. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, you you it got out. good at like, armor seems, wearing it. Yeah. That seems
2: like a thing that we don't need a montage for yes. because uh, trading
1: montage.
2: Yeah. Tessa's literally a walking suit of armor. <laughs> Rachel,
1: you have in the 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 your little dose the stress of power leveling. I think you added that. Yes, that was me. Yes, what what did you mean by that?
3: Uh so that was just kind of the uh when we played through um horde with Ryan and we were we basically went levels 1 through 5 and then we skipped to 8 and then we skipped to 10 and then we skipped to 20. And when you oh. go from 10 Level 10 to level 20, you gain a lot of stuff. (laughs) And it's really awesome, but it's also very stressful because you're like, did I miss something at like level 14 that I'm not remembering, and now I'm screwed up my whole character sheet? So it was just kind of like, I wanted to just kind of touch on that, like the power leveling, if you've ever done that, and how did it go? And how did you feel playing the character after that? Because it was very hard.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's definitely tough because I think Part of the reason, I mean, not just to make you feel like you've earned the the experience, but like giving you a chance to figure out what you've learned and how to do it. Because, I mean, the difference between playing a level five character and a level 15 character is huge. Like, yeah, especially for some classes more than others. Like if you're playing a spellcaster, you'd be like, I literally don't know what these are. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what are these spells and how do I do this? Yep.
3: Just
2: paralyzed by indecision.
3: hmm Yep. Yeah, so the only reason he did that though was because uh we we played through Horde and we were gonna play through Rise of Tiamat, but apparently it's a lot of slogging and he didn't really combination of didn't think we'd enjoy it, but also didn't really feel like DMing all of the slog because he's like, I don't really know what to add to it. It's a lot more cultists. <laughs> so he's like, we're There's just gonna all power being cultists, level. Y'all. Yeah. He's like, You're all level twenty, let's go fight Tiamat. <laughs> And how did it go? (laughs) It went really well. I got turned into a T-Rex and just stomped through things. So it was great.
2: Ah, the salt, the the polymorph.
3: Yeah, I was playing a level 17. uh, So she was 17 levels warlock, three levels fighter. Um, And she. I was one of the few warlocks that did not take Eldritch Blast. Uh, Are you rocking
2: pack of the blade?
3: Yep. <laughs> yep. I was rocking Pact of the blade, and I was Undying Light so from the Unearthed Arcana. So basically, oh, nice. if I drop to zero hit points, I poof back up, do a bunch of damage to everybody around me, and regain half my hit points, and keep going. So... I was like, aha, I run in and I stab things with my rapier. Oh, I've been knocked unconscious. Now I'm still awake. I'm a T-Rex now.
2: <laughs> I am T-Rex now. <laughs> yeah.
1: it's the it only, was a lot of fun. Yes, it's the only obvious choice. I mean, what else can oh, you do yes. besides become T T-Rex? Yeah, it worked out really well. I got to smash things. So going back, would you rather have like gone all the levels all the way up or did you like doing the skip just as something different? I liked it as something different, but I do think 10
3: levels was a little bit of a big jump. Um, I think doing like three, four levels at a time might have been a little better to ease into the chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, it also changes the way you plan to build, because you know how you're like, well, I'm only one level away from getting my next uh two points for my ability scores. Do I want to do that or do I want to go ahead and grab the one level and fighter now? Whereas I had ten levels to just add wherever I wanted. I'm like,
1: okay, I could pick and choose. It's like a buffet. So that's actually a really good point that we haven't really talked about yet. Uh do you Brian prefer to like look at leveling as like a I'm doing this in the moment as makes sense for my character or are you cool people like planning out all their levels in advance cuz we have a couple players who like I know what I want at level 15. I'm going to do what it takes to get there.
2: Um I don't know if we I don't know if my players are planning out that far ahead. Um Typically, the like it seems like just about everybody, but probably Andrew, because Andrew has to plan a little bit more because of the way he's doing his like because the cross class that he's done is not necessarily like he gets one benefit, which is like I'm a wizard who can't who isn't squishy. Mm-hmm. The uh, the not good benefit is like okay, how does this work now? <laughs> like because they're not necessarily compatible cross classings. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I think he probably plans out more than everyone else does, but it seems like everyone else is, like, just reacting to what's been happening uh, to level-wise. And also, I don't know where we're going to, like, the story is clipping along, and I know where we're going to end this arc, and we might take a break and play something else. But, so I don't know where they're going to end up at, so I don't, like, and I haven't given them any indication, like, this is where we're going to end at, so I don't think they know how to plan (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's that's totally fair. In a way, I kind of like that, having it be more organic. I get it's sort, of a co- sort of a combination. And I've always tried to plan like a couple levels ahead for where I'm going if I know I'm going to play a character further up. But there's also something to be said for just sort of, you know, being in tune with the story and what makes sense for your mm-hmm. adventurer. Yeah, I don't plan at all for mine because no. <laughs> mine could die next session. And then I would be very sad because
3: I'd be like, man, I already had all the way through level 18 planned <laughs> and she died at 2.0.
2: Oh. <laughs> when so I'm I don't actually plan. playing like a PC, I typically have a, like a pretty solid plan laid out. But I also started playing D&D during third edition where you have to have a solid like your character needs a five year plan and otherwise yeah. it's going to become useless and die. Uh. <laughs> or they start out
1: useless and, and ready to die. That's a, that's where we were. <laughs> but yeah, there's yeah. Di- it definitely is different. I'd say 5 e's a bit more forgiving because even if you make what might feel like a bad choice, you still can't really make a really bad like tragic choice it just might not be the best choice for your character like from a mid-maxing perspective and i think that's okay Mm -hmm.
2: yeah you can be poorly optimized but not completely useless Mm -hmm. uh which is which is fun because like you can be poorly optimized and then have a cool reasons to be that way
1: so i guess i was looking back at what we have on our, our notes and one thing we haven't really talked about is like health when you're leveling I think it's ever since that first game we talked about where I was, like, rolling a D4 for my hit points and rolling a 1 every time. Because I was like, statistically, it's likely that I will do average or better on a D4 with hit points. So I shouldn't take the average. And then I, like, kept rolling ones. Um, So since then, we've done the, like, standard following the rules, like, take the average plus 1 for your your hit points each level just Mm -hmm. for all of our players. Because it just... It's, well, that's in your games. In yeah, my, in my game,
3: For mine, is different.
1: So I actually let them
3: roll, and I let them take whichever is higher, the average or what they roll.
2: Yeah, that's what I do.
3: Because there's a chance they might get a two, and I'm like, no, yeah. oh, I feel bad punishing you for rolling. Yes. So you can yeah, have like, the it average. Does,
2: <laughs> it, it, like, I do, I like that because it. I feel like that leans into, like, the fun. So, like like I know that there are a lot of people who are there's been like a there's the you know the rule of cool but then there's also like an internet backlash against like the tyranny of fun uh, in systems um where
1: it's all contextual you know, in in the
2: idea of like you know the dm has no power to say no to it, to the npcs which is not true because i say no to them all the time uh they're like i'm going to do this thing I'm like you can't do that like <laughs> that's impossible you wouldn't know how to do that deal with it but, like, the when it comes to that, it's just, like, no one feel, like, you don't feel good, I don't feel good just, like, hitting, hitting what is essentially, like, a puppy uh, when they <laughs> roll a one uh, on their hit points. And they don't feel good about it because now they're extra squishy. And so, but it is nice to have, like, basically, like... Uh, if you roll if you roll low it's okay if you roll real high though you like you can either do fine or win <laughs>
3: <So>.
1: <laughs> exactly yep yeah honestly i'd say for me it's just an ease of checking character sheets that's another part mm-hmm. of it where i'm just like okay we could go back and calculate the hp because otherwise someone goes wait how do you have that much that many hit points and it's rachel and tony because they're the two high hit point things in there and- Constant competition on their hit points. Why are
2: you four more uh, hit points than me?
1: No, <laughs> gosh, those yeah, barbarian really gonna matter. Um, so it's really just an expediency thing. But I, I, I am open to the idea of of uh, giving people a chance to roll or you know take the average and, and have some more flexibility. One thing I think comes up a lot with like leveling, if you're not doing XP, is how do you handle it when a a uh, character or player is absent. How do you handle that with like XP or like just playing their character? What's your approach there?
2: Um well mostly we don't for the most part we don't record without everybody there. Uh just because it's real like it's we I, I it's hard for cuz a lot of times we'll stop mid story. Um uh, and so I just if we if all five of or all six of us can't be there uh, then we just don't play or we reschedule. Um, though we've had a couple of players, like, not show up. But those were Luckily, it was, like, for one-shots, and we had people fill in for them. Um, though how I would, how I've kind of thought about doing it is um, doing a, uh, like, basically, they still get them because of the way our system works, you gain XP through either doing stuff based on your directives or the mission. So you still get mission XP. Um, but yeah, obviously you don't get directive XP because you weren't there to do the thing. So see, so it's a little bit a little bit of a little bit of both, sort of.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I'd have to say overall, I've definitely just kind of gone with the expedient method of if you're not there, which has hardly ever happened, uh, you know, you're you're just gonna keep leveling with everybody else. But I, I've never had the problem of having like just a straight up no show. Like people have always said, like, I can't come because I have to go to a funeral and I'm like Okay. I should not yep. I should not penalize your character because as a human being you have an important life event you need to be part of. There. Um but I definitely think that's one of the reasons some people do like to keep XP in is because they do have it as like an incentive for people to show up. And I, I guess maybe I'm lucky as a DM I haven't had that problem. And for our podcast, we only as like you guys, we only record if people are there. <laughs> yep. We did have right. one time where, yep. where one of our players had Nick had to to go and so Tony like found a way to like sort of send his character off on a slight separate adventure so that we could continue recording but he also would get to have his own experience separately and still be part of the narrative and then bring him back into with the rest of us
2: uh before we started recording when we still had we had six players and me um one of our players missed a session and i ended up just piloting because they like they missed the session they were like in the middle of the thing and so i just started piloting them so i got to pretend to just be like do my weird impressions of all my friends which is fun <laughs> um, which is actually really? what I do now because they've like in the one shots they created a bunch of NPCs that I I've, I've been bringing back in so I just keep pretending to be all of my friends at the table to their faces which is oh, always gosh. fun.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in my my face to face game we have had a couple player absences and generally I hand over their character sheet for combat to another player like whoever has played that class before or is like most equipped to do that like Tony, who's playing the fighter, who really doesn't have to think too much about what he's going to do. No offense to Tony.
0: I go and smash um, it.
1: So I'm like, okay, so you're going to be like, take care of his sorcerer in combat, so I don't have to worry about him. He still is like cooperating with the group and you can handle him, but I'll just play him in uh, RP, and he'll be quieter than usual. Like, <laughs> yep. I don't want to push the narrative, even if like, as a player he might be more involved, I don't want to intrude his dm on that process so he'll be slightly more agreeable not that he isn't always agreeable but just like more like well whatever the group wants to do on major decisions
0: yeah i've done it sometimes too and i won't have them like roll a check even though like they probably would unless the rest everyone else kind of asks like hey how uh do you know anything
2: yeah
1: <laughs> which they do sometimes <laughs> if the like yeah,
0: they sometimes roll really well
1: Yeah, so just kind of like a like an NPC just for that session is usually I think the easiest way and not to have the the character make any major decisions while their player is gone. (laughs) But so they're still part of the narrative because I know some other people try to just like remove them from the game or they're just kind of absent and that sometimes that feels weird, especially if it's like a really cooperative group of players or characters where they're used to like discussing everything endlessly. I'm not at all referring to anybody here. No, no.
0: What? You, <laughs> never. I don't understand. You
1: do not argue about who rides in what cart at every chance. <laughs> <laughs> you got to nail down the details. <laughs> yeah, we focus on the details a little too much sometimes.
0: It's More than it's we need to. It's one of your to.
1: greatest strengths as a group. You really pay attention to the details, but also sometimes as a DM, I can just like sit back for like an hour and just <laughs> let them talk. Like, <laughs> yep. I'm like literally about who's riding in which cart. Yes. And other key decisions. Should I wear the red hat or the blue It's hat? mostly cards. Yeah, it's mostly cards. Yeah, the carts is, I, I in our previous episode of, of Rules is Written, I ranted about them in carts already. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a I'm, constant like, struggle. I'm like, just make a decision. Oh my gosh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Why? <laughs> yeah. But it's, when you're playing, you don't know what matters or what doesn't. So you have to assume literally everything matters.
3: Yeah, I think yeah. the only extra thing I have to add is because I do run the games with the kids. Oh, and yeah. So like our our thing that we do for what we've been trying to do is when we do run games, because our program is very like, come when you can and leave when you have mm-hmm. to. Um, we do try to make it so that each each session is almost like a one shot so that we always end up at a place where if somebody can't make it to the next one, it's fine, which kind of takes out some of the drama because you're like, You have to have in like a two... Because we only play for two hours. So you have to have the beginning, middle, and end all in one little session.
2: you run it like a procedural.
3: Yeah. And it's really not as satisfying to be like, okay, now you're going to fight the monster. Oh, we're out of time. Okay, I guess you're... Everybody give me a handful of D20s and we'll see if you kill the monster. Or how long it takes for you to kill the monster. (laughs) Which I have had to do that where we actually were on the last session. So I was like, uh... Everybody rolled me 3d20s, and I think two of them rolled, like, two of their three were below 10, and I was like, your characters are knocked unconscious, you three are still alive, you managed to kill the monster. You have to, like, wing it. <laughs> but it's very unsatisfying.
2: Very. Yeah. Um, probably a good way to look at that is, like, to dig into the adventurer league rules, since that's kind of their their bag. Um, mm-hmm. they might have some suggestions about that because they do pretty interesting. They have to do some pretty yeah. interesting stuff you're there's no guarantee you're going to have the same party composition <laughs> from mm-hmm. week to week. Like I showed up when I, the only time I've ever played Adventurers League, I showed up and they're like, well, we're halfway through this adventure, but none of you were here last week. So this is what we're doing. You're just, you show up like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Cup>. <laughs> All that matters is that you're here now. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah I've always kind of
1: wanted to do Adventures League stuff, but I, I haven't like found the right place near us. Like Tony and I have got of like scoped it out and been like, uh, I don't think this is the right group yeah, for that's, us. That's, like yeah. I don't know. Like, it's always like a little different. We've been fortunate to be able to like play with friends and just keep inviting more people into our small not cult, <laughs> collecting them, co- co- collecting mm-hmm. a group of yeah. friends to play with. <laughs> Yes, we're like the Borg in our this approach part. to DD and d playing. But yeah, I think we talked about everything. I don't know how we wrap this all up, though. Thanks for listening. Bye. Oh, no. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel hangs up. I guess Dude, well, no. I guess what we've determined kind of is when it comes to leveling, I don't think there's a best way or even like a better way. It's really just whatever is working for your game. Yeah. Because yeah. different people want different things. Yeah, what I plan to do with the
3: kids for at my my regular gaming or you know regular sessions with them is my idea was when they write, when they understand how their character works at level one, they will progress to level two because they have no concept of experience. They have no concept of like miles. They have none of that like notions or anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, when they understand how their character is supposed to work and they get the grasp of the basic rules and aren't trying to eat the D fours, <laughs> I will then
1: allow them to move to level two. We mm-hmm. have yet to reach that nice.
0: point.
2: Oh, adorable.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I think we covered everything on our topics that comes to my mind. Any, oh, yeah. Any last thoughts?
2: Um, I guess like my last thoughts is like if you're going to do it, just make sure that whatever you're going to do experience-wise, your players are also chill with. Uh, communication yeah. is the lifeblood of this game, and... Uh, without it everyone like somebody's gonna end up having a bad time and it's not like the no matter how you play the game having a bad time is never the goal
1: (laughs) yeah we all just want to have fun get along have a good story (laughs) we're simple people (laughs) overall most of us Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's a good point just have the expectations set early on so no one's like wait what
2: (laughs) And, and and like also, I mean, as a proponent of this, like, don't don't be afraid to like get weird or fudge it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't be afraid to get weird. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's, that's a good slogan. Pretty indie in general. Don't be afraid to yeah, get exactly.
2: weird. Exactly the, be- the best. The <laughs> best. The best moments of D anD D are when you like go well beyond the scope of the book.
1: <laughs> so, how did you get into like tabletop role playing games originally?
2: Um like way back in when I was in, in the far off days of when I was in high school mm-hmm. um I had this like weird STEM class. Um it wasn't a STEM class, it was something else cuz I I went to high school long before STEM was a thing. But um
1: prehistoric STEM, okay. Was, yeah,
2: right. <laughs> uh anyways, we were in that class and it was super boring. Um and one of the guys is like, "Hey, you guys want to do this D and D and we're like, yeah, we all know vaguely what D and D is. Um, And this is like close to the release of, yeah, it was pretty close to the release of third edition. Um, And so we had that, the third edition, like it's the um, little play kit that comes in like the yellow box and stuff. Uh, And that's what we basically got started on. And then we kind of ended up getting through that quickly and, Going off and doing our own our own weird thing, but that was sort of my beginning is lots of long times are lots of whole weekends on in high school spent playing games and then in college getting into like different and weirder systems, so... <laughs> You know, experimenting in college like I ever Yeah, does. Yeah, that's exactly what <laughs> yeah. people mean. That's what people mean when they
1: say that phrase. They're definitely talking about different rule yeah. sets and uh, yeah, yep. systems for yeah, tabletop role playing games for sure. That's my understanding when I hear it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So then what made you decide to like transition into podcasting for the game you were running?
2: I I think they like, I just really liked what my players were doing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they could be doing a thing. Like, I mean, also, I like listen to it like a gajillion. <laughs> podcast like most like <laughs> most of my week is spent listening to actual play podcasts but like the other thing is just like like listening to my players and being like this is, this is a pretty good story we're all making somebody will probably like this
1: <laughs> we're doing a good thing let's share it
2: <laughs> yeah and like I had done one I mean I was like well I've got like one failed podcast I could probably stand to have two so <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you're like take two <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, I can get that. We definitely got into podcasting just as a hey, let's do a thing and see what happens. And yeah, <laughs> see where it leads. We are really formal about our whole approach,
2: oh yeah. oh, super formal. This is much easier to generate content for than my last podcast because I had like a last po- my last podcast I did was like uh doing this is like a Steven Universe podcast. And uh, it's really hard to generate content when they don't release episodes for like eight months. Yeah, yeah. We kind of
1: left some weird lulls in, in your podcasting. I can see that. Yeah, that would be a yeah. struggle. <laughs> Otherwise, you have to keep riffing on the same stuff.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's nice to have a broad approach when you can create the world and you have full control, by which I mean DM, minimal control over what happens in your story, because we right. all know the players are really where, that's where it happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, what's your favorite system to play if you're going to play a game?
2: I guess it sort of depends on what I actually want to do. I like most powered by the apocalypse systems, mm-hmm. uh, just because it's really easy to like, boom, and that like it's real easy to start getting momentum going because it doesn't require. I mean, it still requires some pre planning, but not quite as much because it's a reactive. Like as a DM, you're not proactive; you're reactive to the players, so that makes it more interesting. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I like 5th edition. That's what we're playing now. Um, <laughs> Us I mean, too, funny enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just what? kind of like, I've molded it to kind of fit what I wanted it to do. Um, but that's about, that is about it. Um, I I like, so I, I've played a lot of like weird Andy systems that are like very rules light and like GM-less sort of systems that are also fun. So like we did a, we did a one shot um, when we were trying, we did like a, in-universe like time jump and we we're like well what happened during that and so we did like a game of uh kingdom that was really fun um and also like i've played this game there's this game called fiasco that is basically like mm-hmm. uh it's like a gm uh dice for the most part diceless um game that is like F. Cohen Brothers movie where it's like <laughs> everything goes terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you generate your you generate what the plot is and what your characters are by like rolling a whole bunch of dice at the beginning and assigning them to categories, um, based on what numbers you got. Like and the the numbers don't matter. Like it doesn't matter if one's higher or lower, it just is a number to help facilitate like picking stuff. Okay. That's really interesting as well.
1: Yeah, we're definitely trying to like. Well, we're still playing Five E for like our campaign. It's mm-hmm. something we've been trying to like check out new systems and branch out, and not just stay in like the warm comfort zone of D and D, right? Because <laughs> I know we're missing out on other great systems. Yes. Yep. So I know this last question could be tough. I had. Uh, do you have like a favorite memory or a moment that you're most proud of as a DM or a player?
2: So as a player, mm-hmm. uh, I went on this. I the, my fun the funnest moments. I think at least like recently, uh that I can think of recently is like as a player, my I was playing in uh somebody else's campaign, obviously. I wasn't playing in my own. Um <laughs> makes
1: sense. Checks out. Yeah. Um
2: But uh we uh I was like a gunslinger who was also like a complete piece of garbage um human being and like my broken little baby. Um Aww. <laughs> and so he's like He's detoxing essentially and he is just feeling terrible and basically getting drugged through the street as they run away from like a heist (laughs) and out of nowhere some guys just like pull guns or like come up and they're like hey we're robbing you and he's like I'm tired of this and he pulls out a gun he's like no I'm robbing you (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) and then that became a trope where he like back robbed like robbers like like robbed the robbers like three times he's like nah I'm not I'm not dealing with this I'm just gonna rob you back (laughs) Uh I have also have a gun and I'm a faster draw than you. It says so in my book. Um, <laughs> you're, like, you're like, let me check what it actually
1: says. Yes, I'm better than you. Sorry.
2: DM wise, though, is uh during this game, uh we were playing and uh they had so previous to us starting up, they had completed a very big thing mm-hmm. where they killed one of the heads of like essentially the mega corporations that exist in our world. Um the problem is that that head uh the company that that guy worked for one of our players also worked for and worked for like as the bodyguard of another CEO who was on that board of directors and so like he gets called in um and is like hey I know what you did uh because they they got into the building just fine they got out of the building terribly uh <laughs> and so so their identities kind of got out there and He's like, listen, I'm like, you're going to get this thing for me or I'm going to like basically kill your parents. And at some point, Danielle, who was playing this character, was so very worried about the situation as it was going on that she is like sitting there. And I'm like, I'm I'm going through the motions and everything. And I can tell like she's really worked up, not like freaking out or anything like that, but like physically nervous about the outcome. And then I realized that she is just like p- she is pounding whiskey. Like oh gosh. <laughs> just like doing actual shots and I'm like how many of those have you had she's like I don't know like six I'm like what <laughs> so I'm like okay good I'm glad that you're invested uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you seem really really uh, yeah like you care about what the outcome is here nice nice yeah
2: so that was pretty fun being a, like seeing that like every a, it's nice when I realized like they've become very invested in their characters um, to the point of like actually worrying about what the the out like being that worried about the outcome for their for their for their little pretend people.
1: Hey, they're not pretend. They're as real as real people to us in the moment. I'm sure. Yep. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I am not invested in my character. Yeah. Well, thank you for answering our questions. <laughs> oh, no problem. Gives us a really good. I figured that will be a great intro for people listening to the episode. If they haven't listened to your podcast, they will definitely want to now. Cool. Cool. Thank you, Brian, for joining us.
2: On- on Rules yeah, right. I mean, it was super, super, super duper fun. So ha- had a great time.
0: Yeah, it was a bla- blast having yeah. you here.
1: Yeah, it's always great for us to hear other perspectives because we tend to play with the same people and we're like in our own little like D&D bubble. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, Brian, uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can find oh, Yeah, You, you
2: can uh, you can find our podcast uh, pretty much wherever you can find podcasts at. So it's the room where it happened. Um, you're going to get some other hamilton stuff related to it it's, don't worry um <laughs> but you can find us on itunes and google play and also Podbean. you can pretty much get us on all your various podcatchers. if you want to interact with us you can find us on pretty much all the social medias the one that the ones that we're most active on are instagram and twitter uh we're at roomware pod on both of those um come talk to me on twitter i will definitely talk to you because my job is boring uh and you can find all kinds of <laughs> of interesting stuff um we've just recently started um a new arc so episode 15 would be a good jumping on point um things are going to get i know for a fact because we've recorded a bunch of episodes already um things are going to get real wacky and real weird um over the course of this next arc so so it should be should be a fun time
0: all right thank you again for joining us brian and everyone you should definitely check out the room where it happens